I'm Gabe Friedman, and you're listening to Down to Business. My guest this week is Maciej Jastrzemski, who has spent the past five years exploring the best way to make anodes for the next generation of batteries. This episode is part of an ongoing Down to Business series called Dispatches from the Battery Economy, where I talk to people working on this critical technology. Jastrzemski is the co-founder and chief technology officer of Markham-based Lie Metal. But he started his career working for mining companies, helping them work out some of their engineering and metallurgical problems. In 2018, Yashemsky and a colleague sat down and decided to start their own company, and they chose to focus on the upstream supply chain. As he explains, he found his inspiration in a bag of potato chips, and I'll let him tell that story in the podcast. Limetal went public in 2021 and currently has a headquarters and a lab in Markham, Ontario, where it conducts research into how to make lithium metal, and it also has a pilot anode production plant in Rochester, New York. As always, the interview is edited for clarity and brevity. Mache, thank you so much for coming on Down to Business today to talk to me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. I know you've had a lot of recent technological breakthroughs, and I want to get into like everything that Limetal is doing. Maybe we can start with where Limetal came from. How did this company get started? Well, really, what happened was in, in 2018, right out, fresh out of school, I was a, a mechanical engineer, uh, but I got into the metals industry, I'm a bit of a history buff, so I, I love the fact that these are sort of foundational industries uh, for civilization. Uh, you know, I worked my way through various roles. It was actually with a work colleague. You know, he, he was very deep into the battery space. He had started another company. We started talking about what was the next wave, what was happening you know, to the battery space as electrification was really starting to get going. The insight he had was, look, there's all these successor technologies to the lithium-ion battery, but there's not really a supply chain. If we were to develop some groundbreaking technologies, we could gain an advantage there. We could really facilitate the emergence of this next-generation battery space. That's where it started, was just noticing that there was you know, this confluence of trends, you know, massive work going on in, in EVs and batteries, lots of work going into next-generation batteries, and the upstream supply chain not quite keeping step with it. Right. And so this would be Tim Johnston, I'm assuming, who started LiCycle, which is a recycling company that's aiming to turn like your old iPhone, laptop, EV battery into lithium-ion batteries. Exactly. And you had worked together as consultants at an engineering firm that worked with mining companies. The first germ, as I understand it, was that there's something about lithium that makes it very difficult to produce as a foil. And you need lithium foils in certain formats to maximize the performance of batteries. Am I accurately characterizing that? Yeah, in part. I mean, we have to draw the distinction between next generation batteries and the current generation of lithium ion batteries, which rely on a graphite anode. So the graphite is almost like the biggest part of the lithium ion battery. It's it's a big contributor to the volume. And so the whole thing with next generation batteries is that they get rid of the graphite anode, they replace it with a high energy anode material like lithium metal. Now, the difficulty with lithium metal, there's a few, but I mean, the first one is, you know, it reacts with just about everything in the air, the nitrogen, the oxygen, the carbon dioxide, the moisture, everything. So you automatically have to process it under specialized conditions. It's also very weak, you know, physically, mechanically very weak. So it's it's really hard to get it into these ultra-thin foils that you need for anode materials. 
that almost came second. You know, the, the first insight was really, okay, there's going to be this great demand for metallic lithium. There's not a lot of production in the world for lithium metal. And certainly not not really outside of China. You know, there's a few scattered producers. But we recognized then that as we were starting to see a bit of localization happening, that we would need technologies that were sort of suited to the conditions in you know North America and, and Europe. They would need to be able to really you know have a have a robust upstream supply chain. And that's that's really where our technology around metal production came to light. You know, Lime Metal's really focused on developing these technologies around anodes, but it's a vertically integrated concept. We're going to take lithium salts, produce lithium metal, then take that lithium metal and transform it into an anode material. So there's a, there's a couple of steps there. Right. So I think tin foil, aluminum foil, people have heard of those. Lithium foil, not so much. What happened when you tried to make that? I mean, I can elaborate a bit on, on the anode production. You know, normally you produce a foil. Foil, if you can imagine, you're basically taking a, a big hunk of lithium metal and squishing it down until it's you know, a fraction of the thickness of a human hair. You can imagine doing that with with sort of wet toilet paper. That's sort of what working with with lithium is like. It's not it's not a super robust process. So we have a different way of doing that. We use something called physical vapor deposition. We put you know a substrate like a copper foil in a big vacuum chamber, and then we actually evaporate the lithium metal onto its surface. And that's a great way of making you know, low cost materials. That's done for like packaging materials, like you might have in a you know a bag of chips or a chocolate bar. Sorry, elaborate on that. It, like it's in a potato chips. Yeah. So physical vapor deposition has been around for seventy or eighty years. You know, anywhere you see in the world something that is plastic and looks metallic, chances are good it's been made using a physical vapor deposition process. You know, when you open a chip bag, it's got nice colorful writing and glossy print on the outside. You open it on the inside, it actually looks metallic. That's a layer of aluminum that's been deposited onto the surface of that plastic. And as it turns out, that's very much what you want for a battery anode. You want a very thin layer, very uniformly deposited as cheaply as possible onto some ideally conductive substrate. And so when we were thinking about how do we solve the, the broader problem of, you know, eventually you need to produce you know, billions of square meters of this material at as low a cost as possible, where do you look for inspiration? And so we looked at lots of different ways of making very thin metallic objects. We kind of came upon that and, and started working on that process. Wow. And so we're really adapting that platform to the specific and much more difficult problem of putting lithium metal onto its surface. But in principle, it remains the same. It, it's the opposite, really, of foil rolling. Rather than trying to take something big and squish it down into something that's very thin, we're actually starting from zero and building it up. So it's a, it's a very nice and controllable process. So Limetal also recently announced another technological breakthrough in that it devised a more efficient way to make lithium metal. And basically, if it normally requires two steps or two chemical conversions to make lithium metal from, say, like the raw lithium material, your company figured out a way to eliminate that middle step, to do it in one step. And you were quite excited about this, and I was hoping I could get you to explain why. Is it because this helps with cost pressures or with pressures to eliminate waste? How do you explain the significance of your breakthrough? The breakthrough we recently made, it seems like a subtle difference, but it's actually quite significant. So what we did was we developed a process, and we've now demonstrated at, at you know, a reasonable scale, a process that can produce lithium metal from lithium carbonate, which is really kind of like the parent chemical. It's what goes into a lot of the different battery types. 
And the conventional process uses lithium chloride. And the, the greatest advantage of that input material is actually twofold. One, it's not very prevalent. There's not a lot of it made. You know, there's only probably enough of it made to satisfy demand from you know a few hundred thousand cars were it to be all applied to making next generation batteries. So you really you know you have to expand the, the current capacity quite a by quite a large amount. In fact, about tenfold by 2030. And the second issue is that when you split that lithium chloride in that conventional process, you actually make just over five tons of chlorine gas, which is you know toxic, corrosive, generally noxious gas for every ton of lithium metal you produce. And as a result of that, creates all kinds of issues when you try to you know build out capacity, especially in highly sort of environmentally regulated jurisdictions. You know, it's a commodity for which the the global demand is decreasing. So there's not really a lot of places you can put it. You're stuck with this horrible byproduct you need to deal with. So our our process really addresses those two issues. And I think, again, addresses the larger question of what's the best way to do it. And I think the best way to do it in this case is to take the existing lithium-ion battery supply chain, which already produces a lot of lithium carbonate, take that in as the feedstock material, and have a technology that produces lithium metal without these noxious byproducts. And that's what we're working on and what I would say crossed the Rubicon on most recently. You know, there's still some road to travel, but it's a huge thing to have been able to do this. You know, we're probably the first company who's ever been able to do this at this scale. So it's very, very exciting. There's a lot of smiling faces when that metal first came out, as you can imagine. Now we're going to pause a minute for a short break. So much of the research that I hear about going on is about reducing waste byproducts. And I wonder if that is emerging as a defining feature of the battery economy right now is that we know how to make a lot of these things, but so much of the innovation is connected to on eliminating waste. My sense is that in years past, we never really accounted for the waste. Yeah, I think it's, again, it's a matter of scale, right? As the number of electric vehicles eventually matches and then surpasses the the number of conventional vehicles, their impact increases tremendously. And, and I think that's one of the big things that's driving innovation around next-generation batteries. Just to kind of put things into perspective, once you deploy a next-generation battery, you know, with its increased energy density, you're basically saving something like, let's say, on the order of about 100 kilograms of direct weight in the battery pack. You know, I've seen calculations that that translates to another, you know, 120, 130 additional savings in the rest of the vehicle, you know, whether that's you know, reduced brake size, reduced shock size, reduced overall frame size, et cetera. And so, you know, you put those two together, it's like four or 500 pounds of weight you've pulled out. You know, that's like two Dwayne the Rock Johnson sized uh, people that you've there that have been secretly riding with you in your electric vehicle the whole time you've been using a conventional lithium-ion battery. So that's a huge impact. And you're reducing not just waste, but you're reducing the amount of material you need to consume in general to, to build that electric vehicle. And I think something we're not talking about yet a lot, but I think will play into this as electric vehicles begin to dominate, is not just the carbon footprint, which is how we've tended to think about it, but also the energy footprint. You know, the more weight you can take out of a vehicle, the less overall energy per driven kilometer you're going to need. And that's going to be a big issue. You know, as, as more people have electric vehicles, that imposes additional load on the electrical grid, on generating capacity. So it, it is a big deal. And all of this contributes. I know that Lime Metal has always said it's focused on next generation batteries. And 
I recently attended a conference where someone put up a slide that showed something on the order of 64 different battery chemistries out there. And nobody knows which one will be the winning next generation battery chemistry. I mean, car companies are now focusing on lithium iron phosphate, which some people had sort of written off as a lower performance, kind of older generation technology, but it's come back into vogue. Limetal has said it's focused on solid state batteries. Can you talk about how you settled on that and also the landscape of new battery technology in general? Uh, Well, we didn't actually settle on solid state so much. There's quite a plethora of next generation batteries that are being developed. What they all have in common is that they use a high energy anode material, and that's really where you're getting the performance gains. What you mentioned about lithium uh, iron phosphate batteries is actually an interesting point because a lot of that change is driven by the recognition that there's there's a lot of pressure on the cobalt and nickel uh, resources, and and there's a reluctance to, let's say, be solely reliant on that. I think that's actually one of the areas where next generation batteries are a bit underappreciated is because if you can get a lot of savings in terms of weight and volume on the anode, you can be a little bit more thrifty on the cathode. So it means you can use those lower performing cathode materials like lithium iron phosphate. And now we're seeing also people working on lithium manganese uh, iron phosphate, which are sort of intermediate energy density uh, cathode materials. But if you combine those two, the high energy anode material with a lower cost, much more prevalent, you know, there's tons of iron out in the world, cathode material you can actually make a very high-performing battery, you know, something that's on par with today's best lithium-ion batteries, or in some cases, somewhat better, and do that without pressuring any of these more rare resources. So I, I think that's an area where, again, we'll see as the industry grows, there's going to be a lot of interest in those areas. It already is, but I think it'll only grow by leaps and bounds as we're trying to put you know, tens of millions of electric vehicles on the road. There's a lot of flux in your industry. I know that Lime Metal struck a partnership early on in its lifetime with a Quebec company that's a leader in solid state batteries. How do you navigate the shifting landscape? What sort of strategy do you use to do that? Yes. So you're talking about our partnership with Blue Solutions, which has been a very fruitful partnership. And we're always looking for for, uh, more ways to to collaborate. I always tout Blue Solutions because they've been in the game for a long time making uh, solid state batteries while people were still talking about them in theoretical terms. You know, their their material and their batteries were already in in commercial vehicles. So it's a great Canadian success story. But I think when you talk about our overall strategy, it's one of the reasons why we cast a fairly broad net because we know this is coming, uh, but we're not in a position to pick winners. And so what we're doing is we're really making universal products that are applicable across a broad range of these technologies. And really what we're aiming to do is to entrench them or to embed them in those in those products as they go through their product qualification and eventually get in, in the next couple of years get incorporated into electric vehicles and, and other applications because of course these high energy batteries are, are platform technology. But overall, you know, we've seen a tremendous increase in the amount of interest. You know, we're now talking to to 27 you know battery and, and car companies about materials. We're sampling with 13 of them. You know, the volume of material that we're producing now has gone up tremendously in the last year. We're you know, running flat out in our Rochester pilot plant producing these materials. You can see it. Uh, basically, we're, we're reacting to that. We're seeing that uptick in, in interest. We're seeing our customers progressing. Uh, and, uh, and we're, of course, going to keep uh, in lockstep with that. And the space is moving quickly, but you know, that means we have to be quite nimble and 
we also have to keep our two areas of focus always in balance. You know, whether it's metal or anode, we have to respond. Yeah. The U.S. passed the Inflation Reduction Act last year. How much has that changed the opportunities available for your company? What it's really done is crystallized a trend that had already started to take shape. And that's really the emergence of a North American battery supply chain. And because we're focused on really the next step of that, I would say the influence has been a bit indirect. But what it has done is it's focused all of the automakers thinking around you know where their supply chain should be. It's focused the battery makers' thoughts around you know how they're planning their next generation products. And so it's sort of solidified that as an idea that, that we do need this North American battery ecosystem. It needs to be robust and it needs to be really the foundation stone for the auto industry, the EV auto industry. So I think it's been really, really helpful. It's created some certainty. And we're looking forward to, to working with all the players that are putting down roots and starting to build out that capacity. You've talked about how it's difficult to sort of pick a lane in terms of battery chemistry since everything's changing. I don't necessarily want you to predict the future, but I wonder if you could talk right now about what the biggest challenges are for filling the battery demand we have over the next, I don't know, five, 10 years, say. The big issue is really the learning curve. You know, we're in a space that has been dominated by Asian manufacturers and you just need to, you need to develop the expertise locally. But that's where I think the government supports and the industry supports that are coming in are really helpful because I think you're going to run into challenges around supply of materials. And for us, you know, we're, we're reading the tea leaves a bit. You know, we know that when next generation batteries are adopted, it's going to be very difficult to continue to justify building out capacity for the old style of batteries. And so it'll put tremendous pressure on the availability of the materials that are specific to next generation batteries, which will be, amongst others, lithium metal. And that's why, you know, when we've designed our business, we've really designed it with that vertical integration baked in. It's sort of meant to get us past the first bottleneck. We know there's going to be a lot of lithium carbonate capacity that's been built out you know, in the next two or three years. And as we start to see larger and larger adoption of next generation batteries, as you get into you know, 2027, 2028, and that supply chain of feedstock will be available for our metal production process. Whereas for the metal producers who are trying to use lithium chloride, they're going to quickly find themselves tapped out. And so that's where we see that as a critical piece of our overall strategy is the ability to make that metal in-house and on continent, in-country. Right. Well, Mache, it's been fascinating to hear what it's like to work in the battery industry, to have this conversation with you about what it's like to work in the battery space right now. I just want to thank you for talking with me today. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Gabe. That was Mache Yashemsky, co-founder and chief technology officer of Lie Metal. Thank you for listening to Down to Business and sharing episodes and supporting us. This episode was produced by Bryce Hall, who also composed and performed the original music and designed the logo. Victoria Wells, Pamela Heaven, and Noella Ovid provided web support and editing. I'm Gabe Friedman, and I'll return with more episodes. Down to Business is playing with different formats, and so we'll be releasing episodes, if not every week, every other week. But until we release the next episode, you can find all your business news at financialpost.com. <laughs>